0: dialogue across the political divide this is Ed Fallon your host we are coming to you from America's heartland specifically the heart of America's heartland Des Moines Iowa if you value what we do we need your support folks visit the donations page on the Fallon forum website donate or do a a monthly donation or if you've got a local business or a nonprofit you're working with consider becoming a sponsor of this program and speaking to sponsors uh, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe that's our anchor sponsor they're locally owned they're a grocery store and a great local specialty food store as well. Café is open for dining, carryout, and delivery service seven days a week. That's Galey Marketing Café. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis, adamantly and actively supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Owner Mark Clipsham knows we have to build better health for people and the planet, and the services he provides are committed to that goal. That's Architecture by Synthesis. If you are listening on one of the stations that rebroadcast this program and would like to participate with the live conversation in the future, tune in on Mondays at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time on the Fallon Forum Facebook page. And if you're listening live today and want to join the conversation, text your name and hometown to 515-519-6323. That's 515-519-6323. Our main topic today is the uh, unprecedented attack on voting rights and on American democracy. And with me in the studio is Joe Henry, he's the State Political Director of LULAC, Iowa and National Vice President of Forward Latino. Joe welcome to the program. Good to be here, Ed. So Thank before you. we dig into voting rights and your work with LULAC, I've got to ask, have you seen the movie Don't Look Up? I have seen it very
1: depressing very interesting. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> well I want to talk more about that uh, because we've got another uh, excellent guest on the program today. I'm very excited to invite um, Mita Agrawal with the uh, New York Times Opinions Special Projects Editor. She is uh, joining us on the phone from New York. Hello Mita, welcome.
2: Hi, thanks for
0: having me. Sure. So uh, we want to talk about the uh, powerful multimedia project that you and the New York Times put together called Postcards from a world on fire, which we will be sharing with our audience, uh, it's a look at climate change in 193 different countries. But first, um, I want to get your take, uh, Mitha and Joe, on "Don't Look Up," uh, especially since it kind of skewers the mainstream media. Uh, it did. It,
2: it did. It did feature a publication that uh, may have been called the New York, the New York Herald. Right. You can't imagine where they got that name or that font
0: from. <laughs> oh, did they even use the same font? Yeah, it looks very familiar. Let's Ouch. put it that way. Ouch! Okay. Well, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, but they they, they kind of skewer everybody. The, That's the right. Big business, big government, uh, the public being gullible, the media as well. What's your overall take on the film? I mean, some have been very critical of it. Some have been. Some think it's a very important contribution to the conversation about climate. Uh, so you know, I thought
2: it was. I thought it was interesting in some ways. I think, you know, I wish uh, I wish that climate change were as easy as a comet hurtling towards Earth in a very specific amount of time, because that, I think, actually would be the kind of thing that you could focus, get the public's attention really focused on, though the, the movie obviously makes the opposite uh, argument. Um, the thing about climate change is, as the projects that we put together demonstrates it's already happened, and it's happening. You know, it's already transformed the world that we live in. It's already transformed every aspect of kind of how we interact with each other, and it's going to continue to do that. And so that's I think a harder thing for people to get their heads around mm. that like one degree, two degrees of temperature change make such massive differences in what mm. you're able to eat, what you're able to grow, uh, how we interact with each other, even. Uh, right. Uh, so you know, I think that obviously, uh, so that's a very hard thing to capture in an entertaining hour and a half. Um, so they went for the comet instead, <laughs> uh, and I get it. Um, but uh, but uh, you know, I think that um, I think that it did make some very good points about how we can sometimes get distracted by things like I don't know, celebrities getting uh, breaking up and getting back together again. Right, uh, yeah, plenty you know, of that in the again. film.
0: Hey, yeah. I, I, and, and we want to talk more about the Postcards project, which I'm fascinated with. But first, I want to get Joe. I want to get your take on the film as well.
2: Well,
1: I mean, it made it very clear that when uh, you have a corporate media and you're not educating the uh, the workers, uh, the you're not providing information to to kids. I mean, you're going to have this type of dilemma. And people are not going to know until it's too late. And of course, the movie clearly shows that when it is too late. When people look up and they see this thing coming from the sky, then they realize
0: they were light. They realize, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And I know, and I, again, the media is, of course, uh, often ignoring some of the uh, some of the uh, obvious signs of climate change and some of the urgency of it. But again, the, I've, I've looked at the um, the, uh, the your project on me, the New York Times, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Postcard Project, which is really more of a, vi- a, a vignette of videos, isn't it?
2: Um, so you know what we tried to really do, uh, as we tried to capture in the title, was kind of give you not a one, not 193 deep stories about climate change, but to take you on a tour around the world, and through that tour, through 193 different moments, some of which are told in video, some of which are told in audio, some of which are photos or graphs, charts, maps, uh, show you kind of. The breadth and uh, and just really like sweeping transformation that climate change has already wrought. So um, you know that was that was kind of how we conceived of the project and um, and you know the idea was that we would we're hoping to put together something that would reach uh, every kind of reader. So as you were saying, you know kids and uh, people who are very steeped in climate change and people who might. Usually scroll past it. Um, we really wanted to. We really wanted to just make it so kind of urgent and immediate and immersive so that you couldn't ignore it.
0: Right. Okay. And uh, and again, the the 193 quote postcards show what climate change is already doing. This isn't about what might happen. These are That's things right. that are already happening in 193 countries around the world.
2: That's right. Uh, you know, it's amazing. It really. You know we have stories in there that are kind of we try to really capture every facet of life that has changed so there are stories of how the ways that we kind of um, spend our free time so whether that's ice skating in uh in amsterdam or that um you know, uh, i trying to think of some other examples, I, there's a lot of, a lot of skiing.
0: I, I, uh, I, I, I chuckle because, I mean, some of the, some of the uh, postcards are extremely serious and very disturbing, what's already yeah. happening. But you mentioned the Netherlands. Uh, a, again, we think of Holland, we think of canals, we think of, we think of Hans Christian Andersen skating along the canals mm-hmm. and they show, you show a guy, because of warmer conditions in the Netherlands, there's this guy skating along the canal in shorts, no shirt, just shorts and skates, and then he falls through the ice. It's um uh, I, I don't know how you captured that moment, but that was pretty funny. Uh ice you know?
2: uh, skating has been a tradition in the Netherlands for Ever right, yeah, yeah. and um, and the canals haven't frozen over. Actually, it turns out um, enough to skate on, uh, except for maybe what was it? It's like three times the last ten years. And so when they froze over briefly this past year, uh, somebody went out to go skate on them, and it still wasn't actually thick. You know, the ice wasn't strong enough to hold them, and they fell through. That's climate change, um, you know. Uh, but we also show how like how conflict and famine. Um, and uh, forced migration uh, are also all, uh, all happening around the world because of climate change. Um, so, you know, we tried to find different ways to touch every kind of reader, we hope.
0: And Joe, as, as somebody who works hard for, uh, for immigrant rights, uh, we know that a lot of the immigrant communities coming to the U.S. from Central America are fleeing because of the impacts of climate change in their countries.
1: Correct. I mean, it's very clear. I mean, they cannot make a living there due to the climate has changed. They can't do the farming anymore, deforestation that is happening. So they, they experience firsthand what's happening mm. in their home countries. So they're here, they know what's going on, and and it's very unfortunate, and that's why we have to fight yeah. this.
0: Now, Mithesa, uh, is the United States featured in these 193 uh, postcards?
2: it is um so what we decided to do for the united states we really wanted to uh, demonstrate to our uh u.s reader especially kind of how it's happening in their own backyard uh so what you're able to do with the united states postcard is enter in uh enter in your county or any county in the u.s and see what the biggest threats to your county are in terms of climate Uh, and we have you know a little surface video of a recent weather event related to that risk. Um, So you can kind of see like, you know, in in I'm based in Brooklyn, in Kings County, New York, the threat is flooding, and you'll see a video of flooding that's happened in last year, and it's pretty powerful. Um, You know, it's kind of, it's the kind of thing where like, I definitely immediately entered in where I grew up, where I live now. uh, (laughs) And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah.
0: No. And here in Iowa, we've uh, we had uh, a first-ever December derecho. Oh, terrible. That was crazy. Terrible. It was yeah. insane. Uh, and uh, along with that came 43 tornadoes. 43 tornadoes oh, wow. in one day never happens in the height of tornado season, which historically is May and June in Iowa. And here we had 43 on one day in December. I mean, the wake-up call is pretty obvious, and yet the waking up has yet to happen. What, what do... Let me let me ask Joe and then Mika, what do we do to wake well, people up we, to the reality?
1: Well we gotta get on the streets. We we have to mobilize this just like the movement BLM did back in twenty twenty. We have to do the same thing when it comes to the environment. We have to provide solutions, but people have to demand more from their elected officials. There's only one way to do it and and that's to get on the streets. And again, 2020 show that that can make change happen
0: yeah and again you're, you're a journalist Mita and this uh, I think this postcard project is a very powerful way to show what is already happening and why it should motivate us but beyond that what do you what would you recommend to our audience what should we be telling people to do to move the conversation forward on climate change so we have the kind of action that we need
2: I think the big question, especially in the United States, is one uh, of political will. Is the political will there to change? And the will will be there when uh, it's clear that the public won't stand for something different. And so that's, you know, as a journalist, what I, oh, and in opinion, what we try to do is um, is make the argument that you should care, and you should care now. Uh, so I think that um, that you know, trying to, trying to find your voice, exercise your voice through the arms of our government are the, are the way that we're going to see what we need to have happen happen. Yeah,
0: Mitha, thank you uh, so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: And we'll put up a link to the uh, postcard uh, series. It's again, very compelling. I think people ought to take a look at it and, uh, and see what you can take away. Um, folks, we've been talking with uh, Mitha Agrawal, She's the uh, New York Times Opinion Special Projects Editor. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. Bye. We've got to take a short break and we'll be right back. All right, you can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor or a local business sponsor. Check out the Fallon Forum website for details. And thanks to our local business partners, including Groovy Goods, that's Des Moines' one-stop hippie shop where everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Groovy Goods is a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll Learn more at groovy goods, sorry, groovy-goods.com or stop in at 23rd and University in Des Moines. Thanks also to Westerm Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community.
3: You're responsible for a lot and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed, and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com.
0: All right, Joe. So uh, we want to talk about voting rights, which are coming under attack across the country at the state level. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an effort at the federal level to do something about it, uh, and that bill has gotten a lot of attention. But there are a couple. I love it how there's sometimes called moderate Democrats. Well, we know what they really are: is corporate Democrats. Correct. Right. Correct. And uh, the, my, my sense is we can't possibly pass that bill without ending the filibuster. Correct.
1: We, we have to end it. That's the only way to get there. We need the 50 people on the Democratic Party side, well, Democrats, mostly Democrats, and we need those two corporate Democrats to vote for voting rights nationally. Uh, we need to have it done now. Without the right to vote, we no longer have a democracy in our country.
0: Yeah, and are we heading
1: that direction? We are <laughs> definitely in that direction. Actually, the uh, timeline is come November of this year, we can expect something to happen significantly. If we do not change the way in which things are done now, either in Congress or on Election Day next November, we are headed, headed towards a fascist type of country because democracy will end, the right to vote will end, and we need that for this country, for our institutions, for our working families.
0: So, again, we have the very... Possibly, the very real probability of uh, of a shift in congressional power this um, this fall. We do, and beyond that, in 2024, we have the very real possibility of uh, Donald Trump, of a Donald Trump, Joe Biden rematch. Although with yeah. Trump, with the additional ammunition of having uh, the Republicans having tweaked enough election machinery around the country that they could uh, very reasonably be expected to contest an election if it goes mm-hmm. the Democrats' way and uh, probably have the power to overturn it, Correct. Which, is, which is crazy to think about. It, it, it is very crazy,
1: but it's, it's scary at the same time. I mean, we really are, it's, it's a ticking time bomb right mm. now. Yeah. We have to do so much this year, uh, both on uh, in our communities to ensure the right to vote, to, to encourage others to register to vote but also to mobilize Congress to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly the president has indicated that he wants to make voting rights one of his primary uh, pieces of legislation, right. but it hasn't happened yet. So how do, you,
0: how do you mobilize Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia? How do you mobilize the guy who got filthy rich on coal? How do you mobilize him to do the right thing on whether it's climate change or elections? How do you do that?
1: Well, uh, I, I, in my <laughs> opinion, the only way to do it is uh, like we said before, you have to get out into the streets. We have to mobilize people on a community level
0: right.
1: to do the right thing.
0: Let's now go to our phone lines again. If you want to join the conversation with Joe Henry, with Lula, that's the, Latin, the League of United Latin American Citizens, and myself, Ed Fallon, you can text us at five one five five one nine sixty three twenty three, and we'll call you right back and bring you into the program. Uh, let's welcome Dell from Des Moines to the show. Hello, Dell. Hello. How you doing? Good. How are you? my man so what's Gotta on stay your, warm what's all well hey we're all doing that and hey the forecast looks good balmy 40s coming up tomorrow here in the heartland
4: yeah that's better yeah
0: so hey what's on your mind relevant to voting rights
4: well basically like this i don't understand why we don't have a national uh as far as recognition why each state is different right it should seem like since for a national thing like the president things like that something we should be a, and that's in a national way that each state has to abide by, instead of each little of state having their own little deal, and then they're going in and changing things, you know, to benefit that particular state.
0: Well, uh, I mean, that, that something along those lines happened back in the sixties with the Voting Rights Act, when the when the, when when Congress and President Johnson enacted that bill that uh, made sure that Southern states in particular couldn't couldn't um, uh, you know use policies that disenfranchise black voters. But now those policies, those, those practices are being negated. Challenged.
1: Right, right. Yeah, challenged. And, yeah. and, and clearly the, uh, those who are on the conservative end do not want to uh, go to a national type of voting rights. Uh, they're lobbying for state rights because they know that they can control the conservative vote, uh, which again is very important to note that it's only a small percentage of people who want to deny democracy. I mean, this last election, uh, President Biden got 8 million more votes than Trump did. It's a small percentage
0: of the overall electorate, but within the Republican Party, you've still got a big chunk. I think maybe even a majority that feel the election was stolen. That don't yeah. consider the yeah, January sixth 19 States
4: have already changed some of the way they, they vote and stuff. Even Iowa. Even Iowa. Like even they Iowa. Don't want you to give them water to vote or stand in line? I mean, Whoa. what's wrong with them?
0: Yeah. What is wrong with that, Del? I mean, you're not uh-huh. not allowing people to hand out water to people who are forced to wait in lines to vote for hours and hours.
4: Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that when I heard that. I used to live in Georgia. Did you really? And I didn't, I didn't like it <laughs> And well, I'm an entertainer, so I travel a lot. <laughs> so I traveled down south in my first seven years, and I learned a lot of things that don't necessarily go up north but get away with down south. Mm. And, and I see the way the states are doing it now, Georgia, Texas, you know, uh, Alabama, of those states are putting in these little funnies. And even I was trying to change some things. Yeah. You know,
5: well, Dell, thanks. You don't have that.
4: to have a permit now to have a gun, like that? That is <laughs> that too, yeah.
0: Dell, thanks yeah. so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, folks. Again, you want to join the conversation? Five one five five one nine sixty three twenty three. Joe, before we take another call, I got to I got to ask you. The uh, Dell mentioned the Iowa law that has changed. Like many states in Iowa, the early voting period is now much shorter. Down to twenty days. Twenty days. The election but, on election day, the polls one hour less. One hour less. You have got this down. Yeah. Um, and, early, and and absentee ballots are, the, are called early ballots sometimes. Those have to be delivered by a family member. Or... Only
1: a family member, and uh, it's, it's, it's scary. It's uh, Before, especially in the Latino community, we were able to help our community members by going to their house, picking up their ballot that they had filled out, put back in their secret ballot envelope. You can't do that to anymore. Help. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do it, and so we are what's, now what's... going to have to spend more resources to educate others within the family to do that. That's a very difficult yeah. process. What's very the logic?
0: What's the logic in preventing your neighbor from bringing in your absentee ballot? If, say you're a say you're shut-in, you don't have any other family members living with you, you got a neighbor who you get along with really well, what's the rationale that went into the law that said you can't do that. Well, there's no logic in it, as I can say. No, no,
1: the only logic is those who can't win the election with democracy are trying to prevent democracy from happening by limiting the right to vote. And so you, this uh, is what we're having to deal and with. And
0: LULAC has filed a lawsuit in Iowa yes. challenging that law. What's the status of that lawsuit?
1: Well, we're going to court uh, by mid-March. So we're going to okay. have our witnesses. I'll be one of them. Supreme uh, Court? Iowa Supreme Court? No, no, uh, district district court. Okay. Here in Polk County. So we are hopeful that we can can win that, but then, of course, afterwards, it could be challenging to go to the Iowa Supreme Court. Okay. So we don't know what's going to happen there. But we have some very good witnesses. We have some expert witnesses who've already provided their 80-page mm. testimonies. We're going to see what happens.
0: And that's at the uh, Polk County District Court in, in, Correct. Des Moines. in Des Moines. Yeah, and that court might be more receptive than the Supreme Court in the state. Well, yeah, I I, don't
1: th- know. <laughs> I I think they'll be open to the logic of our case of, of what we're arguing how this is reducing the right to vote, how it's making it harder historically especially.
0: Now, if I if I read it correctly, your lawsuit implicates both uh, the Iowa Secretary of State, Paul mm-hmm. Pate, a Republican, and the Iowa Attorney General, Tom, Tom Miller, Miller correct. a Democrat. C- correct. Okay, so correct. this is a this is a bipartisan <laughs> challenge. Yeah. So well,
1: you know, we, clearly the attorney general's office is supposed to be there to uphold legislation for the state of Iowa. Some, so basically,
0: Tom Miller, Tom one of the few Democrats holding office uh, uh, at state level office in Iowa, is there to defend Republican policies.
1: Yes, we will have <laughs> to deal with his assistant attorney generals when they're okay. in court questioning us. But we also have the Trump campaign. Who's also intervened in this case? Oh, really? The Trump. Yeah. Wait, wait, yes. When you say the Trump campaign, you but mean the what? Well, the Trump campaign has intervened in this case along with the Republican Party. Wow. Okay. So we're going to have to deal with depositions from their side, and they will have their Trump lawyers deposing
0: <laughs> our witnesses. I'm waiting for myself to be deposed. I thought. Okay. Well. Yeah. We're eager to hear how that goes. Yeah. All right, folks. Let's go back to our phone lines. Hey, this is Ben Stone, formerly with the Iowa Civil Rights. Uh, 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 ACLU yeah, of sorry, Iowa yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. American Civil Liberties Union of Iowa Hello Ben, welcome to the program
6: Hello Ed, how are you?
0: Good, what's your take as someone who's been deeply involved with civil rights uh, What's your take on the voting rights pushback coming across the country? Well
6: Ed, it's, uh, it's hard not to be quite uh, discouraged and, and, and frightened um, I think what is the most disconcerting for me is that You know, I know that, you know, the the dynamics of the Republican Party, they are always united. They do everything together. There's never a dissenter. There's nobody, there's no rogue Republicans. They are a block, and they're rock solid. And I think the reason for that is that every single Republican in this country is with the donor class, with the corporate power structure. And And the Democrats have this, you know, they're not united because there are plenty of, you know, Democrats and office holders as Democrats that are tired of corporate power destroying their ability to get anything done. And then you've got other people. And it's not just Joe Manchin or Kristen Cinema. I mean, my view is that, look, if the Democratic Party wanted to buck corporate power,
0: they would. So what about ben, that, Joe? Is that, is, is, that, is, is, that, um, is that accurate?
1: Ben is totally correct on that. And, uh, you know, the Republicans are uh, wanting to win regardless of whether or not it will have an impact on democracy.
0: So, and the Democrats, are they trying to lose? I mean, it's, <laughs> well, I mean
1: bucking corporate power might be a really good
0: place to start.
1: I think as Bernie Sanders would say, I, he just, uh, there was an article on him, I think it was today or yesterday, the Democratic Party needs to listen to the working class. They need to speak on behalf of the working class. They're not doing that right now. There is some self-interest at play now with some of these Democrats. That needs to change. Well,
6: and, and if I if I could, Joe. By the way, hello, Joe.
1: Yes, hello there. Good to see you, Ben. I know you too. Hear you. Good man.
6: Um, I think that the people that are calling the shots in the Democratic Party, you know, they have been tied into. The, the corporate power structures since the early 1990s. Right. They have been trained. They train themselves, or they've been made to believe, through all of their interactions with the elite of this country, the, the the you know wealthy elite. They just refuse to take people like us seriously. They refuse to take per- people like Bernie Sanders seriously. They just think, oh, those people. They say that democracy's gonna be destroyed, oh my gosh, let's go cash some corporate donor <laughs> checks and sit on our ass. Mm, right. And that's what they're doing. Right. They so, do, I don't think they're consciously trying to make sure that they lose horribly in the next election. They think, wow, gosh, you know, those uh, those Republicans are so bad, they're, they're just not gonna get the, the votes. We can just sit here and say, Republicans are bad people, oh, and, and oh, by the way, we didn't do crap for you while in power, but still vote for
0: us. Let me, I let, me, let, me, let me jump in here, Ben. So uh, when you say Republicans are bad people, you're referring to the elected class, or do you think well, all, all Republican voters are bad people?
6: Oh, I think that's a whole other topic. Okay, because <laughs> I in my... think that there's a lot of people who have been living in the in the Fox universe for 25 years and they just don't know any different. it's It's habit, it's loyalty, and they, you know, here you got people dying from COVID who won't get vaccinated, and they're not even being told
0: that. See, my my, my, uh, my my impression is, talking to a lot of Republican Trump voters, is that they want a lot of the things that we want. They they don't like corporate power. They don't like government being co-opted by special interests. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, they see the Democrats selling out to corporate America. Somehow they sometimes sometimes they miss the republicans doing that as well (laughs) but joe i mean isn't is there a pathway forward here where you can see uh see a a a political force that brings disaffected republicans and democrats together under under a common mission
1: oh boy that's well that's a good question i don't know if i can answer that completely there but you know um you know we have bernie sanders we have others uh, up there in congress who are trying to do their part in different committees But what it really comes down to, you know, has been indicated, you know, uh, some of these uh, Democratic Party elites uh, have never really spent any time with the working class folks and do not know or have any hope that working people can mobilize, can fight for democracy. And some of these Democratic Party donors could care less about democracy and about what that means.
0: And we have a third, a, third, uh, a third guest joining the studio right now. Uh, Kat Mika has joined us, Joe. i will have to get her opinion yeah. on voting rights at some right. point. Um, ben, thank you uh, so much for joining us. You bet, Ed. All right, folks, thank keep you, up the
1: good work, Joe. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Great
0: to hear you. you we've, been, uh, ta- we've been talking with Ben Stone, uh, formerly with the American Civil Liberties Union of Iowa. And yes, I do. For those who are watching on, on our Facebook live page, I do have a cat on my lap. This is Kat Mika. And she went through a really hard time the other day. She, did. She, she, she nearly died, but oh uh, but vet, now she's going to come over and see you, I'm, I'm afraid, if that's okay. Yeah, and you know, you, <laughs> you,
1: you talk about what, what it's going to take to change things, and really it is going to take a mobilization. It's going to take a coalition, broad coalition, yeah. made up of unions, social justice groups, religious groups. There really has to be some renewed faith in these groups that they can work together yeah. to make things happen, and I have not seen enough of that. I think uh, groups need to get out of their silos. They need to work with each other.
0: Yeah, and accomplishing that is a big challenge. Um, so let me let me ask you too about the uh, I mean the, the lawsuit. We'll be interested to in see how that comes out in March. Yeah. And there are other lawsuits around the country similarly. Thirty
1: some lawsuits. Thirty
0: lawsuits on voting rights around the country. Right. Wow. Okay. So um, there is some uh, some contention that uh, more and more Latinos are voting Republican. Do you, do you see that as true?
1: Well, that's 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 only a minute amount. I mean, when we look at it. Uh, the overwhelming majority of Latinos vote Democrat, and so when
0: we, but is but is that changing?
1: Oh, yeah. it could be from seventy percent to sixty-eight percent, but it's not like the four. It's not like the fifty-two percent of okay. the white community that votes for Trump. <laughs> you know, it's totally different. Right. So, and and that kind of bothers me about that because brown and black people overwhelmingly vote in the majority for the interests that are aligned with the Democratic Party, but the Democratic Party needs to work harder on that.
0: Right, and that that brings me to a question uh, about a a headline I saw in the Daily Beast uh, last month. The headline was Republicans aren't winning Latino voters, Democrats are losing them.
1: Yeah, and again, that's (laughs) not true. These, uh, These opinions, these samplings, these surveys are based on a population of 500 to 800 people who they can reach by phone, random samplings, I'm I'm not a great
0: believer. Okay, on those but are, is the Democratic Party doing what it needs to do? Of course to re- not. Of okay, course not. The so maybe Party there's some not. truth to that headline. Well, there I mean, is
1: some truth only in the fact that the people who are struggling in brown and black communities are not being reached and acknowledged by the Democratic Party in significant ways to really make change happen.
0: Okay, so again, how does that change, you know, I mean, As Ben pointed out, we know the Democratic Party is very tight with certain corporate interests.
1: Right. Well, it takes a movement from below. We've seen that happen. And again, bringing up 2020, the movement that happened then did uh, create some movement towards legislation on a state level, uh, state by state. It's changed things on some city councils. But clearly, when people speak up, elected leaders are forced to hear it, to listen, and to possibly make change.
0: We're going to continue this conversation. We've got to take a short break. We'll be right back. Uh, You can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor, uh, as Kat Mika here has done. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I have a cat on my lap. Okay, that doesn't happen every day. Long story. But uh, I want to thank uh, Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Our cat right here loves her. And our chickens love her, too, I think. You can learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page
1: groovy goods is your des moines one-stop hippie shop located near drake university we are more than just a store groovy goods is about community we're a tribe brought together by peace love and rock and roll you will be greeted by friendly staff the smell of incense the vibration of healing stones and crystals the vibrant colors of clothing and tapestries and an extensive herbal apothecary and metaphysical products at groovy goods everyone is welcome and no one is judged Check us out online, groovy-goods.com, or stop in at the
0: corner of 23rd and University in Des Moines. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff We'll work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry located in Des Moines' East Village. All right, welcome back to the uh, forum, folks. If you're listening on our radio affiliates and would like to join the live conversation Check us out on Facebook on Mondays. That's the Fallon Forum Facebook page, Mondays at 4 o'clock Central Time. And if you're listening, text your name and hometown to 515-519-6323, 515-519-6323. So uh, we're talking with Joe Henry here with uh, the League of United Latin American Citizens. So looking ahead, Joe, um, this fall, nearly everybody and their uncle and my cat are predicting that the U.S. House and probably the U.S. Senate are going to go Republican. Is is that um, an accurate prediction or do you think uh, are folks missing something?
1: Well that is a yes no maybe. <laughs> you know that all depends on how
0: much mobilization is happening.
1: I mean clearly what's happening right now is that because of enacted legislation, voter suppression legislation, it's going to be much more difficult for people, especially young people, older people, to vote uh, by vote early to vote uh, within the parameters of, of how things
0: were done before. So many states are making it tougher.
1: But what we can still do is we can still mobilize a vote. We will have to get more people to the polls on election day mm-hmm. to vote. We won't be able to rely upon early voting as much. Right. We just have to prepare for that. Now, with that said, Uh, When we look at the Latino community, 60 million people in our community here in the US, you know, um, almost half of those voters are under the age of 40, many of which are under the age of 30, many are going to be voting for the first time this next time around. So what our people need is they need outreach, they need community outreach. We plan on doing that. It's going to be expensive, but that's what other groups have to do,
0: too. Well and you know, the, the, the two things, that's all good, but the two things working against Democrats more than anything are the historical reality that the party in the White House almost always loses seats, sometimes a significant number of congressional seats, in the off-year election. And, the, and secondly, uh, you've got gerrymandering. Uh, and gerrymandering, like it's never been done before, it, it, well, it's, it's been bad for a while, but it's even worse now sure and i don't know how i mean look at texas you have a growing latino population a growing democratic base and yet you have a state that is set up for republicans to control because of the way districts have been carved out how do you how do you how do you work how do you how do you what's what's the workaround for those two problems in the 2022 election (laughs) again it's
1: mobilize 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 okay we have seen more people participate i mean Record-breaking voter turnout in 2020. Hmm. We've never seen that amount before. And you know, of course, well, even then there was voter suppression. And
0: didn't some of that voter turnout help uh, Republicans?
1: Not so much. Okay, I, 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 really I, don't, I don't think know. so. Okay. Uh, you know, again, we the demographics of this country is changing. Yeah. And the demographics are showing that brown and black people are not voting Republican by any majority margin at Mm -hmm. all. Even the Asian community is growing by leaps and bounds. So there will be a change regardless of how much voter suppression we have. There's only so much they can do, but yes, I I am concerned. We're
0: all concerned. Let's go back to our phone lines. Uh, Tom from Johnston. Hey, Tom, welcome to the program. Hello. What are your thoughts on voter suppression and voting rights?
5: So what I wanted to uh, bring
0: up was the
5: difficulty of mobilizing uh, the Democratic base in, in particular with uh, people who live in apartments. Um, A little microcosm in Johnston, the precinct that I'm in is heavily Democratic, but it's difficult to get the people in the apartments, uh, which are predominant in this district, in this precinct, to uh reach reach out to them to to go to the polls the owners of the apartments typically don't allow door-to-door activity um, so we're left with uh, our heads scratching and how do we reach those folks um we do the best we can with postcards and occasional mailings the that's expensive and not very effective in comparison to knocking on somebody's door
0: Joe I would think what are that, your thoughts about. Yeah. That's a good good question, Tom. I would think that would be an issue with the Latino community as well, Joe. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, clearly there's a lot of grassroots organizing needs to be done in apartments. You know, we, we need to have people from the inside of those apartment units going door to door. When that doesn't happen, we need people outside putting flyers on cars. Cars are outside. We need people standing at street corners as people from those apartments drive out of those units these are the things that you do when you organize workers uh, at shops same thing needs to be done at these apartment complexes if you can't do it on the inside of the building do it on the outside if you have a problem with reaching people call the democratic party ask for a list of registered voters uh, in in that you in those units there's a lot of things you can do but you have to think outside the box.
0: But I know there are, there, are, there are legitimate reasons why a property owner would not want anybody just walking in and knocking on everyone's door, too. Well, yeah. So, yeah you, but
1: but you, again, if you have people already inside the building who are willing to go door to door, if it's enclosed only from the entrance mm-hmm. uh, and that's it, then you can do a turf organizer who's inside the building to go door to door.
0: Tom, what are your thoughts on, again, the conversation Joe and I were having before you called on the, uh, the midterm election? I mean, we, have, uh, we went from having, uh, what, three Democrats and one Republican in Iowa to three Republicans and one Democrat. And now there's a lot of concern that that Democratic seat might shift. Uh, of course, one of the uh, one of the Republican seats here, the first district, uh, that Republican only won that seat by six votes, so there is some thought that maybe that would go back to the Democratic column. What are your thoughts on what might happen, not just in Iowa, but nationally with the congressional races and the, and the U.S. Senate in
5: 2022? Well, we have obviously the same anxiety that you're expressing. But uh, I think the hope is that the National Party can um, Get back, get the country back in gear, and in thinking positively about the the Democratic leadership, and uh, get motivated by the crazy things that the Republicans are trying to do, and get out the vote, so we can overcome it if we get a tide. Which typically the tides have been against us lately, and that's the head scratcher as to why why
0: that is. But well, uh, I think the Republicans are better at messaging, apparently. Uh, let me throw let me throw this at you and get Joe's take too. I think I, I you know one thing you said I would I would I disagree with Tom and that is I don't think we can count on I don't think maybe maybe maybe, maybe it works for Republicans but for Democrats I don't think you can count on the National Democratic Party to not screw up. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think your I don't think hopes for any Democratic candidates lie in what the National Party decides to do. I think it has to be local grassroots and connected to concerns in the community not some that might come down from the dnc
1: right i think that we ought to look at what happened in georgia in 2020 i mean what did they do with what they call deep organizing grassroots organizing they did quite an amazing amount just by the old organizing of just going door to door uh with or without masks they were talking with people they were really building up community support. That's something that the Democratic Party really hasn't promoted on a national level. But clearly, we could be doing that within our coalitions. Mm.
0: Tom,
5: uh, I don't I don't disagree at all. I think it starts from the base, but the base can only do so much. <laughs> I mean, when when the when the constant drumbeat of the the uh, social media and the the uh, national media uh is skeptical or you know it doesn't doesn't really support what we're trying to accomplish it's it's really tough to overcome it let me let me but ask I, a, I think we gotta get we have to get to the emotion side of things and get people upset that, so upset that they'll get out and vote
0: yeah i'm um, afraid right. that's the way it uh, works being upset is a good motivation sometimes yeah L- let me ask you one one before we run out of time one more question to kind of kick around here in 2024, we could very well see a second Biden-Trump rematch, uh, that's, that's very much a possibility. And uh, the big difference I see is that, uh, well, two things, one, I see Biden has, you know, any, anytime you're in office and doing some things, you gain a certain level of unpopularity, it just happens, it comes to the turf. So Biden's popularity is now lower than when he got in people's memory of why they supported him over Trump maybe has faded or tarnished a bit and on top of that you've got Trump having gone and the Republican Party having gone to great lengths to control the mechanics of elections across the country to me i i don't i think it's very realistic to expect a second Trump term coming up after 2024 between the two factors i mentioned about Biden and the reality of the the, the ability even if even if Biden were to win the popular vote and the electoral college vote, I, I can see the mechanics the the machinery of elections having been corrupted, handing the election to Donald Trump. Am I overstating that concern? Who wants to go first, Joe? Tom?
1: Well, I'm just going to say, I mean, <laughs> you know, working people are struggling right now. So yeah, Democrats really have an opportunity to bring up the things that have been done right now with the ch- ch- children tax credit, child tax credit that is been provided which has helped many families with hundreds if not over a thousand dollars in care per month they, could, they also need to be talking about the other things on health care many of the other issues involving the workplace the right to organize if we can get the messaging out and do the grassroots organizing that's needed people will listen but it's going to take some work and we can do what we need to do precinct by precinct but it needs to happen now before the 2022 November election.
0: Or the 2024 election. Well, if if we don't get it
1: right in 2022, (laughs) I don't know where we're gonna
0: be in 2022. Tom, what about the presidential election in 2024? It's not too far out to think about that, especially given what's going on with the election machinery in various uh, uh, swing states. Well, I,
5: I, if, Biden runs I hope trump runs <laughs> <There's> <laughs> And why is why is that? for trump that that'll that'll motivate a lot of people but uh I'm not sure either one of them will run or will be able to run i I just don't know it's it's i i'm really not too excited about either one <laughs> um, well, so then... uh i I don't know what to say about that it's, but as far as um you know, I do think that, I do think that we can create a groundswell and uh, overcome a lot of um, systemic barriers. Maybe, maybe it's just me wishful thinking, but I I don't see us sitting back and saying, "Oh, me, I can't do this. It's too bad." We just need to get out there and work our butts off.
0: Can you overcome Can you overcome states uh, where the vote is close enough that the legislature might feel compelled? To award the the electoral college to uh, to President Trump, to a candidate Trump in that case. I mean, is is there enough um, is there enough uh, grassroots power to overcome that?
1: There can be, there can be enough grassroots power. I to hope eat. so. But we need to really work on that. I mean, uh, for so long we've been looking at politics as if we're at a football game. We're in the stands, <laughs> we're keeping score, but we're not on the field. Yeah. And you know, a lot of our All political right. leaders are just keeping score but they're not out in the mm. field we have to get the working people
5: involved on this
1: tom we have to play the
0: game. tom i appreciate you joining us
5: glad to be right. listening in and participating thank you
0: uh folks uh, talking with joe henry here um we've got to wrap this up joe but what are your what are your final thoughts and and ideas on again we've been covering uh, uh voter suppression we've been covering covering the the growing clout of the latino community and kind of prognosticating what might happen in elections in 2022-24. What's your final thoughts and message for our audience?
1: Well, we have a lot of chaos that we're having (laughs) to deal with. We have a struggle to to make clear that we need to have democracy prevail. And uh, the Latino community is dealing with a lot of obstacles in the way, especially with this voter suppression laws. Here in Iowa, across the country, many brown and black people are dealing with this thing. In the long run, you know, in the short run, we may lose uh, in many different elections across the country. But in the long run, we are going to win because the demographics of this country is changing. Young people are getting enthused, they want change, Hmm. and people of color want change. People of color are not going to be voting for someone, something that's going to take them back to a time. That was abusive. So things are changing, but we don't know if it's going to change soon enough.
0: Yes. Well, that's 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 the big question. And again, uh, I think whatever people, uh, whatever your concerns about the future are, the time to act on them is now. And I, I know to bring this conversation full circle, we started off by talking about climate change and the uh, powerful message of "Don't look up" and the powerful presentation put together by uh, some folks at the New York Times. Uh, the postcard series on the 193 countries that have uh, that, 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 where we see what's going on currently with climate so yeah I mean the time to think about what might happen in this fall and two years from now is now. Wake up, take action, get involved uh, make, make your voice heard. Correct. Joe thank you so much folks have been talking with Joe Henry with the League of United Latin American Citizens. Uh, we've got to take a short break we'll be right back And if you've been following our live stream, thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, That'll wrap up this week's live broadcast. And if you're listening on the radio to our podcast, or to podcast, stay tuned as Kathy Burns will join us for our weekly farm and food segment. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week, with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Clipsham is adamantly and actively committed to supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark knows we must all live and work with the goal of building better health for both people and planet, and he works to implement that vision through his stewardship of Architecture by Synthesis. You can learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com.
3: At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures, great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766.
0: Remember, you can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor. Or, if you own a small business or run a nonprofit doing good work, think about becoming a sponsor of this program. And thanks to uh, psychiatrist Dr. David Drake. If you live in Iowa, wherever you live in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling offered on a self pay basis. Contact David Drake, Family Psychiatry.com. Kathy Burns, welcome to the program. And uh, for our farm and food segment, I never know what we're going to cover. But I think it's time to look at uh, New Year's resolutions passed and assess how we did.
3: Right. It's called accountability. Uh, that's kind of a new new concept for a lot of people. Because
0: we're going to so. sit tight and assess.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're still talking about your Don't Look Up <laughs> segment. Um, yeah, last year, uh, right before New Year's, we, we well, I decided... I wanted wanted to start wasting less and, and the program was called Waste Less, Want Less and so I thought I'd look back on the year and see how we did
0: yeah, So, of course, in an ideal year, we wouldn't be putting anything, ideal world, I guess, we wouldn't be putting anything in the garbage or recycling.
3: Right. Everything Everything that goes in the garbage bothers me. Um, <laughs> I did share a stat last year that in America, we're throwing away 80 billion pounds of food per year. Wow. Um, we also want to talk about uh, waste. 80 billion. My gosh. 80 billion. Waste uh, of plastic, containers, electricity, water, gas, cooking for heating and... Washing yes. dishes and all that. So
0: How do we do? <laughs> I think
3: we did all right. Um, we'll we, we discuss the different categories and what we've done, and then I'm going to think about giving us a grade at the end. All right. Uh, <laughs>
0: okay. I hope I pass. <laughs>
3: well, one, one place where there's a lot of food waste is at restaurants, and we don't eat out that often, and we have been eating out much less in the last couple of years, obviously. Um, we do try to share dishes. We could still do better. We... We were out for Thai food, I believe, a while ago, and we each ordered our own meal.
0: And it was massive. <laughs> it was massive. but we Delicious, took, but massive. But we
3: took the meal home, and that leads <clears throat> us to the other thing about um, taking uh, food home in, from restaurants is the containers are not always very eco-friendly.
0: It really varies. I know sometimes you've just got straight-up plastic, other times... Uh, you've got restaurants that use disposable containers that end up in our compost so that's
3: cool. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so we did okay but we could do better. I think, you know, just always share a dish and then order more if we're still hungry. Of so course it know. would
0: help if restaurants did better. Some of them. It would. Some of them are doing great. Some of them are a long ways to go.
3: Yep. Uh, I think we're really rocking using leftovers and food scraps. Um, we, Much to
0: our chickens' disappointment. Well, they they get a lot of scraps,
3: um, and that's that's by design. But I I look in our refrigerator, and I notice that there is not tons and tons of stuff hiding behind other stuff and going to waste. That's really a culprit in the you know in the food consumption world. Right, right. So we're planning our meals better around. You know, here's a big thing that we made.
0: And you're really good about like saving bones from. We, mm-hmm. we cook a, we cook a lamb leg or pork roast or something. You save those bones and you make this excellent stock that is just. Uh, it's it's wonderful for making like chicken soup or vegetable soup or something.
3: Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. And, you're welcome. And then <laughs> and then saving the vegetable scraps too. The yeah, tops of carrots sure. and we talked about that last year. That was
0: totally new to me. I never heard about that.
3: It's very cool. And now yeah. because we're now growing mushrooms we did save mushroom stems from shiitake mm, mushrooms this yeah, yeah. year because those are too tough to eat and they make a wonderful broth
0: stay tuned but it may well be that this next year is going to be an incredible year for mushrooms for us the we'll year see. of the mushroom the year of the mushroom it's we coming can it's it. coming
3: um, we uh, how about use of plastics and other containers and wrappings
0: yeah, we, uh, we we you know we try to avoid that but sometimes it's hard i mean we i guess we could start making our own yogurt but, you know, the only yogurt available in stores is is in plastic containers.
3: Well, but what one thing we, we talked about, and I think we're going to pursue this when we get a little spare time, haha, is <laughs> to uh, use the milk that we buy at, that comes in glass bottles that we return for reuse, not even for recycling. But we can make yogurt from that milk, mm. and then we won't have any extra containers because all the containers are going to be reused. Yeah. Uh, so that that's going to be kind of cool um we we haven't bought uh, a package of plastic wrap in about five years
0: you know i hadn't even noticed but you're right we just don't even use it anymore
3: we don't um yeah. when we uh open a package of it's usually meat that is wrapped in a plastic sheet and then wrapped in butcher paper and by the way we get that all sustainably we save a lot of those plastic sheets and if we need a sheet of plastic for anything then we've got them. Of course, we wash them well first. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and uh, that's, um, that's all good. (laughs) I
3: I think an area that's, that's challenging for us is, is to conserve more water Mm. and it's hard because we do grow food in our yard. And I still think we're probably not using too much more water than if we maintained a lawn. Yeah. But uh, also, um, we can, when we rinse vegetables for washing them, we can take that water out to water the herbs and things right outside the back door. So that we're getting more in the habit of doing.
0: We could use a rain barrel.
3: Yes. And we've been talking about
0: it. Or two rain barrels. Yeah. We've been talking about it
3: and we have permission to put one in.
0: Yeah, well. <laughs>
3: uh, we do rent, uh, when I say permission, we rent so we don't have control over a lot of things. Um, we can't really just swap out the toilets for um, <laughs> a, a low-use toilet. toilet and those, uh, well, a low low water flow toilet. Those are really nice and they save a lot of water. We don't
0: use the dryer and that, you know, I really encourage people to think about not mm. using a dryer. I know there are some homeowners associations that don't allow residents to hang clothing on a line and that's horrible i mean because the dryer the the uh, the dryers make up 6% of the residential uh, carbon footprint every year in the us it's crazy
3: that's a lot yeah. but
0: you know there's drying racks
3: drying racks also you are conserving on the fabric because when you use a dryer that that takes a bite out of your clothing yeah. all the little all the lint that you get yeah. that's off your clothes so if you just hang them in a on a rack you're not Wasting yeah. your clothes either, so Speaking they'll of last clothing, longer. clothing, yeah,
0: I have learned that it makes no sense at all to wash clothes as often as I used to because that's what really wears them out, and not not <laughs> just the use of water. And uh, and you call this Swedish laundry? I don't know if that's really the I name. I think you had that. Did term. I call it that? You're
3: the one that <laughs> made told that up. I don't Swedish
0: really. laundry. I don't know if this is true or not, but but uh, whatever it is, it works. Hanging clothes outside on the balcony for 12 hours, maybe 24 hours. Even in even in really cold weather, it tends to really freshen them up.
3: I can attest to the fact that you don't smell right bad.
0: Well, maybe so, you just don't notice that I don't smell well, bad.
3: I you. <laughs> we when, need a
0: third opinion.
3: <laughs> when the clothes don't are not being cleaned well by the Swedish laundry, I'd let you know. Uh, I'm going to give ourselves a grade then right. for how we did. I'm how gonna we do? S- I'm going to say a B plus. I taught high school for years and years i hate giving grades hate it always hated it but i'm gonna give us a b plus i think we did well i think we achieved a lot of the goals and we added some new things but we still would like to conserve a little more water and um that's about all i have to say about that yeah
0: well okay i guess i'll go with a b plus i'm really not a fan of grades but uh as long as I don't have to stay afterwards and, and clean the erasers, I'm, I'm content. <laughs> oh, that, that's a metaphor from the past. Nobody cleans erasers anymore, right? <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, Kathy. Folks, we've been talking with Kathy Burns uh, with Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Thanks also to my in-studio guest today, Joe Henry with LULAC, and to Mita Agrawal with the New York Times. Thanks also to our production squad of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Determan, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. And thanks to our local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Western Optometry, Groovy Goods, and Dr. David Drake Family Psychiatry. Thanks, folks, for supporting this program. And remember, subscribe to our, our podcast on YouTube and uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Thanks again. We'll be back next week for another hour of cutting-edge talk radio.